What's up, Repraiser family? We are back with another Bible study message for you. And if you have been following along, you all know that we have been in a relationship series. This message is going to conclude our relationship series. Part four of this series is being delivered by Jorian Wilson. Jorian talks about relationships in the stands and perspective of parent-child relationships. He looks at this from a biblical standpoint, and we truly hope and pray that this series has blessed you, giving you great understanding from a biblical standpoint about relationships uh, that we encounter in our life. And we hope that this message resonates with you and empowers you. Awesome. So for those, we started the recording late, but we're talking about parent-child relationship. We're talking about promises that God has made to his people. We're reading Genesis chapter nine, God's promise to Noah. Then God told Noah and his sons, I hereby confirm my covenant with you and your descendants and with all the animals that were on the boat with you, the birds, the livestock, and the wild animals, every living creature on earth. Yes, I am confirming my covenant with you. Never again will floodwaters kill all living creatures. Never again will flood destroy the earth. Then God said, I am giving you a sign of my covenant with you, with all living creatures for all generations to come. I have placed my rainbow in the clouds. It is a sign of my covenant with you and with all the earth. So we see God makes a promise to Noah here in the Old Testament. And that promise not only to Noah and his family and the animals, but to us today, that when we see the rainbow in the clouds, God has promised never to destroy the earth with water again. If we look in the New Testament, I want to share one of our favorite quotes uh, from the Bible, one of God's promises from Romans 8, 28. It says, and we know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. We can see that these two promises are just a few from God's many promises within the Bible, right? We know that our God is a God of covenant. He's a God who makes promises, but also a God who keeps his promises. We know this to be true, but, but what about God's unpromised gifts, right? What about gifts that God bestows upon us that he has not promised? Children are unpromised gifts from God. Children are unpromised gifts from God and must be stewarded well. And before we dive too much deeper in this topic, I want to take a moment just to have a discretionary statement, right? Because I understand that there are different people within the audience today who are hearing this message or who may listen to it online. And so there may be some of us, firstly, some who may hear the word parent and their stomach turns, right? Because they did not have a great relationship with their parents, or they may not have had a relationship at all with them. To you, I say, I am sorry. That is not fair to you, but the relationship you have with your parents or the lack thereof is not a reflection of how your father in heaven feels about you. He loves you and he cares for you dearly. Secondly, there may be folks who are listening to this message um, and they hear the word parent and their heart hurts because they desire to be a parent. They may have tried or maybe in the process of trying to have a child and have yet to see this unpromised gift realized. Others may be hurting because they've lost a child. To you, I say, I am sorry. That is not fair to you. But whatever you may have experienced is not a reflection of how your father in heaven feels about you. He loves you and he cares for you dearly. So we begin today simply, as we begin today, I simply want to share a few biblical principles about what a relationship between a parent and a child should look like. And my hope is that we will leave this Bible study better equipped 
to be parents and children that God intended. So in my introduction, I've said a whole lot since reading our key verse. I just want to read it again just to rehash it and we'll dive in. Psalms 127 verse 3 through 5, it says, children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hand. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. Children are a gift from God. Now, I can't speak for you because you may have the best friends, the best family who always get you amazing gifts. They get you exactly what you want, how you want it. Maybe you can't relate, but I know I have received some bad gifts specifically from the same family members every year. I've had to receive these gifts with a fake smile and say thank you very much to a gift I knew was on its way either to the trash or to Goodwill. My point is that not every gift that we receive is a good gift. We have all received a gift we didn't like. We have all received something that did not meet our expectations. It wasn't what we wanted or how we wanted it. Although this is true, we can rest assured that children are good gifts. We are starting with this because the Bible says every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change or like or who does not change like shifting shadows. So if children are a gift from the Lord, and if every good and perfect gift comes from above, then I'm convinced that children must be good gifts. And hopefully my math is mathing correctly. I'm not a detective, but I'm trying to put two and two together. If children are a gift from the Lord, and if every good and perfect gift comes from above, then I'm convinced that children must be good gifts. And might I suggest that children are good gifts even when they come in situations or circumstances that are not ideal? A child conceived by two individuals who are not married may not be an ideal situation, but is still a good gift. A child conceived by surprise or uh, on accident to two individuals who are married may not be ideal, but is still a good gift. I was a surprise baby and I know I'm a good gift. A child conceived to two teenagers having sex for the first time may not be an ideal situation, but is still a good gift. Look, I don't have time nor the intellectual comprehension to break down the miraculous process of conceiving a child. I can't explain how out of millions of sperm, only one reaches the egg, and then that egg has to then successfully be planted into the uterine walls. Then the female's body has to create the right hormones, the right nutrients to grow this egg into a six to 10 pound baby in a matter of 10 months. I can't explain or understand how a woman has the capacity to push this six to 10 pound human out of her body. But I do know that this is all part of a process that is miraculous to give us these unpromised gifts. Children are unpromised gifts that we must steward well. But if we were to steward them well, how do we do that, right? How do we steward children well? Well, I want to give you five things, right, that I think will help us understand how children are to be stewarded. Number one, we steward children well by staying mindful of their rightful place. Children are not to be idolized. They are not our friends, 
and they are not leaders in the household. Children are not to be idolized is simple, right? This is Bible 101. First commandment of the Ten Commandments, thou shalt have no other gods before me. I don't have to elaborate. Children are not to be idolized. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't love them or cherish them or honor them, but they cannot be a lowercase g-o-d in our lives. Children are not our friends, and they shouldn't be leading the household. Growing up, you probably heard your mama tell you something like, I'm not one of your little friends. This may not have come off very nice to you, but it was sound doctrine for her to share with you. Parents are called to Lord, lowercase l-o-r-d, over their children. Lord simply means to the power or authority or influence over someone or something. So how do we know that children are not supposed to be idolized, they're not supposed to be our friends, and we're not supposed, they're not supposed to be leaders of our household? We know this because the Bible tells us that children should obey their parents because they belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. We typically only obey those who have authority over us. Children are not to be idolized. They are not our friends, and they are not leaders of our household. So number one, we have to keep them in their right place. Number two, we steward children well by teaching them. Human beings at all stages of life, you and I included, your grandma and them, your uncle, your babies, whoever, all human beings are constantly receiving new information and learning, whether it be good information or not, whether we are reading a book or doing deep dive research on the shade room, we are constantly taking in new information. Little humans, AKA children, are uh, they take in information with hypersensitivity. Almost everything they see, hear, touch, taste, and smell is a new experience for them. This means they are always watching, they're always learning. They are either learning good habits and characteristics or negative ones. Parents are called to teach, shape, mold, and guide their children. Let me pull one of our familiar passages of scripture. You probably heard this somewhere in your life, right? Proverbs 22, verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. That's something that's very quoted when you think about talking about children, right? Train them up in the way they should go so when they are old, they will not depart from it. This just emphasizes that we are supposed to mold, shape, and teach our children. Furthermore, the verses from today that we read says that children are born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hand. And if we take this metaphor a little bit further, right? If we think about arrows, we think about children, we understand that they must be formed carefully, formed and shaped carefully to go and do what they are supposed to do. We know that they must be guided with skill and with strength. They must be given care or they will not fly straight, right? If you have arrows that are crooked, it's going to mess up their aerodynamics as they're trying to hit their intended target. We have to know that when you shoot an arrow, it has to be aimed and given direction. Likewise, we have to give our children direction. They cannot find it on their own. They are some, in some respects, launched only once, right? So when you shoot an arrow, you often are shooting at a great distance. You're not going to go and retrieve that. So you shoot an arrow only once. We only get one shot at raising our children. Arrows are an extension of the warrior's strength. 
and accomplishment. Likewise, our children are the same. And they have the potential to do great good or to do evil. All that to emphasize, we steward our children well by teaching them, by molding them, and shaping them the way that we should. Number three, we steward our children well by disciplining them. Now, before I dive into the topic of discipline, I want to say that discipline looks different for everyone. Some of you hear the word discipline and you think about having a stern talking to. Others, you hear the word discipline and you think about going and sitting in the corner for a few minutes for time out. Others of us may hear the word discipline and we think about belts, extension cords, or whatever our parent could grab to get a hold of us. I'm not here to campaign on the method of discipline that we should use on our children, but I'm here to emphasize the importance of disciplining them. Discipline is simply the practice of training people to obey rules or a code of behavior using punishment to correct disobedience. So discipline is just methods to correct disobedience. We understand discipline is and should be an act of love. When children are disciplined, it shouldn't be an impulsive moment of violence. It shouldn't be a spewing of the mouth from an untamed tongue. Rather, discipline should be effective and ultimately conduct, conducted with a heart of love because we desire what is best for that child. Listen to what God has to say about discipline. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. That's Revelation 3.19. Listen to what other scripture has to say about the mutualistic relationship between discipline and love. Proverbs 3.11-12 says, My child, don't reject the Lord's discipline and don't be upset when he corrects you. For the Lord corrects those he loves, just as a father corrects the child in whom he delights. And then one more text I want to share with you. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24 says, those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. Those who love their child care enough to discipline. So that we know that discipline and love go hand in hand. If we love a child, we are going to discipline. We're not going to just let them have their way, run rugged, and we're supposed to do this discipline in love. Now, I understand we're not perfect. So you, if you see me snatch up Zaya or Asher, correct me with grace because... Yes, correct me with grace and love. We are to steward our children well by disciplining them with love. Number four, we steward children well by not provoking them. Provoking simply means to cause annoyance or to be irritated by. Ephesians 6 and 4 tells us, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. So we talked about four tips on how we can steward our children well, right? Keep them in their rightful place, teach them, discipline them, and don't provoke them. The last thing I wanna share about how we steward children well is this. We do so by setting an example for them. We set an example for our children on what it looks like to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. When I pray for myself, I often pray that above all the other things that I've listed, God, help me to be a good example to my children. 
I realize that more is caught than taught. And that simply means that if I do all the other four things well, if I keep them in their rightful place, if I teach them, if I discipline them, if I do not provoke them, yet I'm setting a terrible example, all the other stuff means nothing. If I don't treat their mother with love, respect, and honor, if I don't love my fellow person, you all, if I don't love you well, if I don't treat you with respect or honor you, if I'm not pursuing God and striving to love him with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength, all the other good things that I may be doing as a parent are for naught. Children are our unpromised gifts from God. They are good gifts because they come from God, and we steward them well by keeping them in their rightful place, by teaching them, by disciplining them, not provoking them, and by setting an example for them. Now, we have dealt with stewarding children, right? We've talked about what it looks like from a parent's standpoint to steward a child well. But before we close, I want to address something that relates to all of us because we are children of someone else. You might have heard this message and heard how children should be stewarded. And you think, okay, yeah, I had decent parents. They did at least most of these things, right? But others, you may have heard this message and just be, have been reaffirmed of how terrible your parents actually were. They might not have treated you like a good gift that you are. But I want to remind you that you are a good gift by rehashing what I said earlier. Whatever your relationship with your parents is, is not a reflection of how your Heavenly Father feels about you because he loves you and cares for you dearly. However, no matter what that relationship may look like, I must further admonish you that despite your relationship or the lack thereof, despite whether you had great parents or terrible parents, the Bible gives us clear instruction on our response to our parents and how we should treat them. We are to honor our father and our mother. Just like the other 10 commandments that we uphold so highly, the fifth commandment tells us, honor your father and your mother, then you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. The scripture does not tell us to honor them if they are good or if they followed all of these steps of stewardship. It simply says to honor them. Now, I'm not going to go deep into detail what that looks like. Honor them is not necessarily just doing everything that they say because if they're a bad parent, it may be bad information they're giving you but we can still respect and honor them, even if it's at a distance. And I'll leave it at that for now. So how do we respond to all that we've covered today? We've discussed that children are good gifts. We've covered the importance of stewarding well. We covered the, our responsibility of children of someone else of honoring our parents. So then how do we respond? The response is different for all of us. So for some of us who may not be in relationship with Jesus, your response may be trying relationship with Jesus for the first time, tasting to see that the Lord is good. You heard about how we can steward our relationship with children. How do we steward our parent and child relationship? How do we honor our parents? I'll be honest and say, doing these things that we talked about is impossible without the help of the Holy Spirit. We cannot steward children well and we cannot honor parents well 
without the whole help of the Holy Spirit. So if you're a non-believer, the, res the response may be for you to try Jesus for the first time. For those who are believers, your response may be to repent. You may need to repent for not stewarding your child well. You may need to repent for not honoring your parent. You may need to repent for blaming God for situations that have occurred in life that have been unfavorable to you. And other of us, others of us who may be aspiring to be parents one day, we may simply need to take a moment to reflect on our lives. Are we cultivating an environment that's conducive to raising children the way God has called us to? Is our lifestyle preparing us to steward a child well? So I'm going to give us a moment to, to reflect, to listen to what the Holy Spirit has to say. And then I'm going to come back and pray. We're not going to respond in the chat today. I just want you to respond just within yourself. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? And then we're going to come back and I'm going to pray. One, for those who may not be in relationship with Jesus, that they would find relationship with Jesus. Secondly, for those who are in relationship with Jesus, if you need to repent, I'm going to pray that you will repent and that God may heal your heart if you're hurting from poor relationship with your parents. If you're hurting from loss of a child, I'm going to pray that God would heal your heart and that you would give over that hurt, that you would give over that burden to him. So let's take a moment to reflect. We'll come back and we'll pray. Hopefully you all have had a moment to, to think, to hear from the Holy Spirit and to see what it is your response should be. I always like to be transparent in these moments because as we work on sermons as ministers or preachers, whatever you want to call, you always have to be dealt with as you are preparing to speak to other people about this message. And so one thing that I want to speak to is this, is Children are unpromised gifts, and I have to repent because oftentimes I come home from a long day of work, my children are on 10, and I ain't here for it. I'm ready, like, I need another break. I need a break from the break. And so keeping them within the right perspective, right, understanding that they are a gift, that I only have a small window of time to steward them, to train them, to mold them, to shape them before they go out into the world and do the same. So I have to repent for not treating them as cherished, unpromised gifts all the time. Secondly, for the part where we talk about honoring your parents, in all transparency, honoring my mother for me is probably easy. I do it with, with great love, great joy. But to honor my father could have been a struggle for me. My dad left my mom and I was when I was one year old, left. And I was raised by my mom and my grandmother. 
So I've had a relationship with my dad, but never really a close, tight-knit relationship. Uh, we would always talk periodically, but that could have been easily a way for me to have an offense, for me not to honor him. But I made up in my mind that I'm going to do my best to honor my father the way that I know how, to respect him, to cherish him, and to celebrate him when I'm given the opportunity. So that's my moment of transparency. I'm not sure what the Holy Spirit revealed to you during this time, but I want to pray for you. I want to pray for each of us. And so let's take a moment and let's pray. God, we thank you for this time that we've had today. We thank you for the word that's gone forth. We thank you for the instruction that you have given us in your word on how we are to manage relationships between children, relationships between our parents, God. Lord, we pray for those who may not be in relationship with you, that they would have a desire to try relationship with you, that they would taste and see that you are good, that you are the only one who can help us to live the way you have called us to, to live life abundantly, Father. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters who are believers, God, who may need to repent today. I pray, God, that we repent, God, for times that we may not have stewarded your promised gift well. I pray, God, that we will repent if we have not honored our father and our mother well, and that, God, you would give us the strength to do so when it may be difficult. God, I pray that we would repent if there's hurt or if there's things that we are blaming you for that has happened in our lives, God. God, we know that you are not to blame for just because we follow you like Kai was saying, it doesn't excuse us from the things of life. But Lord, help us to know that you love us, that you are for us, that you're not against us, that you are our Abba Father, that you cherish us, Father God. Lord, I also pray for those who may be hurting, hurting from broken relationship with parents, hurting from a loss of a child, hurting from poor decisions that we have made. God, I pray that you would heal our hearts, that you would begin to heal our minds. Help us to know, first and foremost, God, that you love us. Help us to know, secondly, God, that your word tells us that if we are to confess our sins, confess the things that we're struggling with, if we, that you are just to forgive us, God. Help us to know that your word tells us to lay and cast our cares uh, on you, for you care for us, Father God. Your word tells us that you are near the brokenhearted, God. So I pray for those who are hurting, that you would provide healing for them, dear God. God, we thank you for this word that's gone forth. We pray that the Holy Spirit would convict us whatever it is that we need to be convicted for. And that, God, we will leave this place better equipped to be parents, better equipped to be children that you have intended us to be. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.